Hello, and welcome again to A Course in Miracles for Regular People. I'm Reverend Robin, and today we are going to do episode 50. And episode 50 is in section 5 of chapter 2. And today we're going to do, it's a subsection of section 5, and it's called A, Special Principles of Miracle Workers. And we'll be right back to jump into that after we give a shout out to our sponsor, Anchor. And we're back. Now, just a little note before we actually get started. Today is February 24th of 2021. There is snow on the ground and on the roofs of the houses here in Pennsylvania where I live. And it is a beautiful sunny day. So I am sitting out on my front porch today with my two, two of my grand dogs, Mercy and Dharma. And I am making this recording outside today. So you may hear some background noise, birds tweeting, traffic going by on the road down the hill. I hear the snow melting. What a beautiful day. All right, so we are picking up in subsection A of section 5, The Function of the Miracle Worker, and that is in Chapter 2, The Separation and the Atonement. Subsection A is entitled Special Principles of Miracle Workers. Number one, and there are eight of them. If you remember at the beginning of the text, the beginning of Chapter 1, there were principles of miracles, and there were 50 of them. This is special principles of miracle workers. So it's talking about we who are miracle workers. And there are eight of these special principles. So number one, the miracle abolishes the need for lower order concerns. Since it is an out of pattern time interval, the ordinary considerations of time and space do not apply. When you perform a miracle, I will arrange both time and space to adjust to it. So we are just to follow directions, say what needs to be said, go where we're led, and let Jesus take care of the time and space, the lower order concerns of time and space. Number two, a clear distinction between what is created and what is made is essential. All forms of healing rest on this fundamental correction in level perception. So we need to be clear on the difference between creating and making. When we are creating, we are following the example of God, our Father, and we are creating reality. We are making when we are basing our decisions on illusion and error. And so that's the difference between creating and making. Creating creates reality. Making makes illusions. Number three, never confuse right and wrong mindedness. Responding to any form of error with anything except a desire to heal 
is an expression of this confusion. So when somebody does something that shocks, offends, or injures you, wrong-mindedness would be to respond with retaliation in some, some form. Right-mindedness would be to respond with a desire to heal the person who did the offense. Number four, the miracle is always a denial of this error and an affirmation of the truth. Only right-mindedness can correct in a way that has any real effect. So the miracle is always a denial of the error and an affirmation of the truth. So the miracle doesn't acknowledge the current existence of the error. And only right-mindedness can correct in a way that has any real effect. If we are trying to correct something while we have wrong-mindedness thinking going on, we are trying to fix things with only the physical reality. And that never actually works on a permanent level. So continuing, pragmatically, what has no real effect has no real existence. So giving the idea of real existence to something that we see when we're looking with wrong-mindedness has no real effect and therefore no real existence. It doesn't actually exist. Continuing, its effect then is emptiness. Being without substantial content, it lends itself to projection. So when we think we see something that is painful, it's not, it's not real. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Number five, the level adjustment power of the miracle induces the right perception for healing. The level adjustment power of the miracle induces right perception for healing. So the miracle adjusts the levels of right-mindedness and wrong-mindedness. And when that adjustment is made, the right-mindedness allows for the perception for the healing of the healing. Continuing. Until this has, has occurred, healing cannot be understood. People think that when you're using wrong-minded thinking, you think that illness or injury is only in the body and that it can be fixed with physical things. The truth is that the injury or the illness comes from an error in the mind. Continuing. Forgiveness is an empty gesture unless it entails correction. So if you say, oh, somebody hurt me, I choose to quote-unquote forgive and more or less overlook what they did and try to love them anyway. <clears throat> but if there is no correction in the mind, if 
the error in the mind persists that this person did this to you, there's no, it, it, that forgiveness is an empty gesture. It means nothing. But when you get the healing in your mind, that is the correction. And then forgiveness means something. So continuing. Without this, it is essentially judgment rather than healing. So the level adjustment power of the miracle induces right perception for healing. And without that, it is essentially judgment rather than healing. Number six, miracle-minded forgiveness is only correction. It has no element of judgment at all. The statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, in no way evaluates what they do. It is an appeal to God to heal their minds. So when Jesus was in, in physical body living on earth and he was hung on the cross and they were mocking him and he was beaten and all of that and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He wasn't saying, forgive them for what they're doing to me. He was asking God, heal their minds, take away the, the fear and hostility that is causing them to act this way. Continuing, there is no reference to the outcome of the error. That does not matter. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He's not saying forgive them so that something can happen. He's just saying heal their minds. Number seven, the injunction, be of one mind, is the statement for revelation readiness. If we're of one mind with God, then we can receive revelation, which is the original form of communication from God to us. Continuing, my request, do this in remembrance of me, is the appeal for cooperation from miracle workers. The two statements are not in the same order of reality. Only the latter involves awareness, involves an awareness of time, since to remember is to recall the past in the present. Time is under my direction, but timelessness belongs to God. In time, we exist for and with each other. In timelessness, we coexist with God. Mm. Yeah. Number eight. You can do much on behalf of your own healing and that of others. If, in a situation calling for help, you think of it this way. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. We can do much on behalf of our own healing and the healing of other people. If when there is a situation that is calling for help, we think of it this way. We remind ourselves, I am here only to be truly helpful. So even if we are shocked or appalled or injured in some way, 
remember that that is wrong-mindedness and remind ourselves, I am here only to be truly helpful. And reminding ourselves that I am here to represent him who sent me. And reminding ourselves, I don't have to worry about what to say or do because I will be directed. And reminding ourselves that I am content to be wherever he wishes because we know that he is always there with us. Everything that exists is within and of God. And as long as we remember that, that we don't have to worry about where, where we're going where we're going to be. And lastly, we will be healed as we let him teach us to heal, allowing our minds to be corrected, allow healing to take place in our minds as we are being taught to heal others. So my takeaway from this episode today is that these eight principles are principles that we as miracle workers are to live by, to understand, and to know. And principle number eight is kind of, I think, a summation of the rest of them and that we will be healed as we let God teach us to heal. So I would encourage you to take some time, get out your book, read these for yourself, meditate on them, and look for ways and times in your life that you can apply them, that you can use them, that you can recognize them in your situations. So today, I wish you a day of learning. Many blessings. Namaste.